0: Hey everybody. this is Jeanie Faulkner, and you are listening to Pregnancy Parenting and Politics the podcast where we talk and talk some more. I am a registered nurse with twenty some years in labor and delivery. I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, which you can find in all the bookstores and online. I am a mother with quite a few adult kids. I'm a longtime maternal health and women's advocate, and I'm super interested in politics and especially how it affects our day-to-day lives as women and mothers and parents and partners and fathers and kids and families in this day and age. I'm about as liberal as can be, and I will be voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Now, before we get into this week's chat, I just want to remind you all where you can learn more about me. Head on over to Pregnancy Parenting and Politics on Instagram and Facebook and find me on com and learn all about it. Now, on Friday night, as you no doubt have heard, Ruth Vader Ginsburg died at the age of 87. What a mighty life. What an exemplary life. Now, I could talk for an hour about what happens next in the Supreme Court and what scenarios might play out politically. And believe me, Those scenarios are critical, but I don't want to go there right now. I want to keep my gaze on Ruth Bader Ginsburg, where it should be for as long as possible. That woman was brilliant and powerful and worked her entire life to make the country a more equal place and to advance women's rights. She was an example for me and for millions of Americans for how to live your full potential, how to live each day, doing your best stuff and being yourself, how to be elegant and intelligent and purposeful and powerful. That woman held the weight of her role on the Supreme court, on those small shoulders while battling cancer and listening to opera and hanging out with her granddaughter. God bless her. And I am eternally grateful for her, for what she did for women, families, and America, and for showing me a model of how to live one brilliant woman's life. That's all we are going to talk about in Current Events and Politics this week, though I encourage you all to read your papers. In fact, read a bunch of different news sites, and stay up to date right now on real information. I just keep saying it. This is a Fascinating time to be alive and to be creating history. Make sure, make sure you do your part and vote in this historic election. Okay, I want to shift gears and chat with this week's guest about innovative ways we can create healthcare connections in both the COVID era and healthcare in the future. Our healthcare systems are morphing in real time from a Predominantly in person healthcare model to one that's going mostly online. That kind of opens up healthcare to be available to women who live far away from a healthcare provider, um, particularly one that practices maternal healthcare. It makes healthcare more flexible, especially for women who work uh, traditional hours. It makes it more accessible and less time consuming. There's less travel. Um, and we're coming to realize that it's a model that might really work for meeting a lot of healthcare needs. This new style of medicine is also helping launch many new technologies to encourage women, men and women, but for our purposes, you know, encouraging women to prioritize their health, maybe especially during pregnancy. There is just so much going on. So this week, we're going to talk with a guy who is doing this very kind of work and with a focus on meeting the unique needs of women of color and marginalized groups. We'll take a real fast break and then we'll get right into it. Juan Pablo Segura co-founded Baby Scripts in 2013 with the vision that internet-enabled medical devices and big data would transform the delivery of pregnancy care. Juan Pablo was recently featured on NPR's In Black America on the inequities of maternal health and how his company, Baby Scripts, is addressing maternal mortality in the African American population with remote monitoring tools and an educational platform for women up to a year postpartum. Let's get Juan Pablo on the line. Juan Pablo, it's Jeannie. How are you?
1: Hello, I'm good. How are you, Jeannie?
0: I'm surviving the foul um air quality here in Portland, Oregon. Where are you? Oh
1: my gosh. Yeah. Well, uh while we don't have uh, you know, any natural disasters in Washington DC. Uh, we definitely have uh certain uh, you know, smells and stenches that come from the political <laughs> environment. So
0: Would would that be the uh, swamp? Know. Are we talking yeah, about exactly swamp? that
1: that is the swamp. <laughs> the swamp is real and that you know, it's good at what it does. So there yeah. you go.
0: <laughs> so you, you live in D.C.
1: I do, I do. I live in Washington D.C. near Dupont Circle. If anyone uh, can recognize some of the landmarks, but oh yeah, in, in downtown D.C.
0: Yeah, I have um, done lots and lots and lots of advocacy and business in D.C. and I love it there. I love it.
1: It's a great place. I, I mean, take the politics aside. You know, the it's easy to get in and out of. A lot of free museums, fun things to do. So I'm, I'm very happy in the nation's capital. Okay. I'm glad that I'm not in politics. I'm glad I'm in healthcare transformation, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a good place to be. Well, now that we've um, tagged each other on the map, my first question is, who are you and what do you do?
1: So uh, my, uh, it's a great question to get started. And um, as you mentioned, you know, I'm Juan Pablo Segura. And I'm singularly focused on trying to keep women safe during pregnancy. And how come? Uh, oh, how come? Well, yeah. uh, it's, it's more of a, a personal story. And um, sometimes it's hard to kind of put all the pieces together. Uh, but I started my journey in healthcare actually from outside of healthcare. I was a healthcare, uh, excuse me, I was, a, I was a consultant, I was a finance consultant for Deloitte and Touche. Uh, way back in the day, about seven years ago. And a good friend of mine actually got sick with MS. And that really was what kind of catapulted me into being you know, a consultant winding down bankrupt banks to starting to actually have some understanding as to like what was happening in the healthcare space. Um, and so this was around 2013. My friend got sick. Uh, I was accompanying him along his journey in the healthcare system. And I really just understood that there were a lot of problems that he was encountering, a lot of kind of obstacles in getting good care. And so that's what opened my eyes. And uh, when I decided to quit my job as an anxious millennial uh, more than seven years ago, uh, I actually was attracted to where I'm at today, uh, which is in the maternity space, Um, actually through uh, not obviously personal experiences in, in childbirth, Uh, But through the experiences of my mom, she's, I'm one of six kids. So she's had six wonderful children, uh, me included. Uh, But uh, I actually, uh, my mom experienced uh, three different miscarriages. Uh, So, you know, just kind of experiencing that in a family environment and seeing kind of her pain and her journey through, you know, her childbearing years, uh, you know, really, you know, gave me a lot of inspiration to, to be where I'm at today.
0: All right. So when you're not working in that space, what else do you do? So for fun. Yeah, for fun.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. Uh, you know, us entrepreneurs, we're we're not supposed to have any fun outside of our work, right? Uh, Especially not know.
0: if you live in D.C. It's always the D.C. people yeah. that are stumped by that question. No,
1: no, like, but like uh, fun. What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: right?
1: But uh, but actually, I like to make my own beer, so I'm. Uh, my my goal is uh, one day in a in a long and distant future to have my own brewery. So you know who knows when, when that will happen. But I, I actually like to make my own home brews. COVID's been great because of that. Uh, it's really made me focus on perfecting my technique. But uh, but you know the linings. Yeah, exactly. I, and uh, and so yeah from. From my end, uh, you know, I, I like to focus on that, and, and I, I also just love eating food, so if you put anything in front of me or go to any restaurant uh, d c actually has a pretty good food scene, so um, whether it's a good beer oh, or nice. uh, some good ramen noodles I'm, I'm all in.
0: All right, great. So tell me more about the work that you do and how you you went from from finance to m s
1: to the birth industry? Yeah, I think, um, so, you know, kind of going back, rewinding the clock more than seven years ago, one of the big things that, and it it was considered pretty novel at the time, when when my good friend was diagnosed with MS, um, was essentially this whole use of this new space called e-health, what what then became m-health, what's now become digital health. (laughs) Um, but there, there were kind of new websites, new trackers that doctors were recommending, that people were talking about. And, and it really struck a nerve with me as, as I was kind of helping and as I was also just learning more about the healthcare environment. Um, and so back back then, uh, seven years ago, you know, with, with all these new buzzwords and, and terminology that I had never heard before I just started doing some research and I quickly realized that this was a completely kind of white and, and barely touched uh, environment or industry where there were no incumbents there really were no platforms that had truly been built out and so something just kind of resonated with me back then and and also the other founder of, of baby scripts his name's Anish Sebastian um, but we really kind of saw that hey we could if we have a big enough vision, if we want to make enough of an impact, we could create something that really could change and help people's lives. Um, and so that, that's kind of what propelled us into just healthcare in general. You know, there were a lot of things that we could do, and so you know, we we pulled from family and and personal kind of experiences, or or, or at least kind of tangential experiences, and that actually was what brought us to the pregnancy space. Which, like I mentioned was really inspired by my mom and, and, you know, all the things that she's done and just the awe and, and just the, the, the amazingness that, that she's gone through in the person that she is.
0: Was it, you mentioned that she had several miscarriages. Did she have a hard time accessing healthcare?
1: Yeah. I, well, so, you know, obviously she's an immigrant, um, or I'm a, come from a family of immigrants. And so definitely, support systems were tough for her because we were the only ones in the US the rest of my family is in South America so definitely some personal kind of family challenges that that, that she went through you know also the fact that you know I'll never forget just a moment when you know she she just like was depressed and didn't want to talk or didn't want to be with us the kids And, you know, I I just think about those issues and and it's not like they ended in the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you you think about postpartum depression right now, um, you know, more than 80, 70 to 80% of women experience the baby blues. About 10 to 20% of women actually have postpartum depression. And and this is miscarriage, which is a completely different category. But you just look at whether it's the numbers to uh, my, my friends who have had issues getting pregnant. Um, and, and so, you know, you're, you're in a, a, an environment where there are no answers. There are no kind of uh, things that, you know, guarantee that the next pregnancy will be better. And that's when, I, when we started scripts, we essentially said, hey, no one's tried to collect the data. No one's tried to monitor patients in between appointments with IoT devices and technology. Maybe we can start to answer some of these questions. And so that's been so incredibly when, important for us. When you say us.
0: things like IoT technology, um, I am familiar with the term telehealth or video health. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, so it's so a great question, and sorry, I've got to I've got to remember that maybe not everyone comes from like a deep healthcare technology <laughs> background. Um, so IoT is Internet right. of Things. Right, and
0: and for a lot of people, okay, for a lot of people. Um, you know getting any kind of digital health care whether it's video or through an app or through texting or whatever the the medium is it's a brand new experience, especially as you know for um you know people that are uh, utilizing Medicare or Medicaid in some states it's brand new world
1: yeah no and and again so, like like I mentioned this is white space for a lot of people, so yeah you know. There are like maybe I can kind of break it down a little bit. So so there's yeah. a, a lot of different kinds of services that patients can receive. And a lot of this is typically kind of lumped under this concept of what many people refer to as telehealth. So mm-hmm. telehealth or telemedicine um, can can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So you've got things like video visits. So whether it's someone experiencing a phone or a, a video visit consultation over Zoom or Skype. Or Amwell, Doctor on Demand, uh, Teladoc. These are all companies that offer essentially kind of video to video, what's typically kind of lumped under something called synchronous care. So it's happening at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really kind of what started a, the, the big push into this whole digital, mobile, telehealth environment was this idea of hey, maybe we don't have to be in the doctor's office to get healthcare. And then I love what's love that a, idea. No, I well, yeah, all of us, right? Try, try yeah. waiting in a waiting room, you know, uh, for 50 minutes. Uh, that's when patient satisfaction scores start to go through the floor, right? But, Plus, it,
0: it, it helps with access issues for people that lack transportation or are in rural communities. It oh,
1: absolutely. It,
0: yeah, it opens it wide open.
1: Yeah, and, and for us, we're in, so that's, so there's kind of one big category, like I mentioned, which is this idea of synchronous healthcare. Um, That can be done over a video visit or through a chat, right? Where someone is immediately answering or immediately in front of you on the phone or on a computer screen in, in a conversation. Then there's this idea of a second category, which baby scripts falls under, which is what's called asynchronous care. So essentially the idea is you don't necessarily have to be chatting with someone or having a conversation with someone to receive care. If you take your blood pressure at home and that blood pressure cuff has a Bluetooth chip inside, that data point can get immediately sent to your doctor's medical record. And if anything's wrong, then someone can be alerted. Um, and so what we focus on is very, very kind of centrally. The baby scripts is how can you use both the mobile phone and apps for education content, etc. But also use these devices: blood pressure cuffs, weight scales, blood glucometers. essentially create a relationship with the patient in the home and make sure that if anything's wrong, we can alert the doctor in real time. Um, And to, I mean, I I know I'm talking for a little bit too long maybe, but Mm -hmm. you you mentioned some of these access issues. There's a massive problem in the United States, not just in structural access. So where are the hospitals? Like for example, in, in DC, the west side of the city, which is the more affluent side, has all the hospitals in DC. The east side, which is where most of the underserved patients are, have no L&D hospitals. So there's obviously structural issues to getting healthcare, but there's also a, a workforce problem. In the U.S., there's about 30,000 OBGYNs. There's a 7,000 provider shortage right now. So mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't have enough OBs to actually see the amount of pregnancies that we have. Um, and going even further, 50% of counties in the U.S. don't have a practicing OBGYN. So, yeah. so the, the whole idea of, okay, let's make it more convenient, like over a video visit is, is a great kind of enhancement. But the problem is that we don't even have enough OBs to have that face-to-face conversation. So we have to find other ways of extending care, which is this whole asynchronous space that we're, in.
0: what about also utilizing, um, other types of obstetric care providers like midwives?
1: Oh yeah. So and so that's a big transition that, that's been happening more recently. So the, the idea of, you know, you don't have to have a medical doctor, an MD, um, to obviously, you know, help a, a woman through her maternity journey. Um, and so the, the, definitely the, the idea of a provider, not necessarily a doctor, but someone that, that can still provide care, um, like midwives are incredibly important. Um, there's also kind of what used to be a, a niche industry, which are birth doulas, um, mm-hmm. that's also really started to, to grow. And and you're starting to see it's not just like a high end kind of concierge patient experience, but you're actually seeing a lot of birth doulas at the Medicaid level that are doing a lot of population health um, and, and public health as well. Because like I mentioned, there, there is a legitimate shortage in providers. So you have to kind of create a, an, an ancillary or supplemental market to really start kind of helping women get the care that they need.
0: And, and what we find is that when you go ahead and use those care providers who are um, more women-focused, more well-based, and um, actually the, the kind of care providers that have traditionally always taken care of women, women tend to get better care it's more individualized it they take more time and then when you know something really goes wrong with this normal physiologic process that's when you need to call in the doctors
1: oh yeah and and this is you know the the, the commentary on how our healthcare kind of medical industry has been built i mean i'm not the first one to highlight this but we live in what's called a fee for service environment mm-hmm. so you know essentially doctors are paid to see you and it's not necessarily done by the amount of time or the kind of outcomes that they spend with you um, or, or that that they produce in through their medical kind of care it's just focused on the number of appointments that they have and so mm-hmm. when you see that the the impact or the result of that and this is not to say that doctors aren't giving great care and they're not trying really hard but given the the their salary the cost constraints they're really incentivized to churn through double book appointments, see 30 patients a day, and to really, really think about the, the, the different needs of women throughout their pregnancy. You can't address those in a five-minute appointment. It's just impossible. Um, and so definitely these, these, these kind of alternative um, kind of uh, whether it's, it's through midwifery care or, um, or, I mean, it's kind of different strata or different levels of care that you can get, right, from med- medically acute to um, obviously more focused on uh, the, the the day-to-day kind of interaction, um, you know, they're necessary because no one pregnancy is the same.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us more about how baby scripts work, works.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, the the big idea for us, and, and so kind of taking into account all the things that we're talking about, access to care issues, not enough OBs, not enough personalization, we built baby scripts with the idea that, hey, let's see if we can use digital mobile technologies, so smartphone apps, and like I mentioned, these devices, these internet-connected medical devices to essentially make care available at any time and any place. So really, the the big issue that we're trying to solve is the access to care crisis that we have in this country. And we believe we can do that by using remote patient monitoring. So using the devices like a blood pressure cuff to get a, a, mom's, uh, a mom's blood pressure in between appointments or obviously to, to track and measure weight gain or excessive blood sugars if you're diabetic. The goal is let's get these data points at home. And essentially check off if a mom's doing well or elevate and alert a provider. If a mom has an aberrant data point that needs to be triaged because it it could reflect a problem like preeclampsia. Um, and so again, you know, for us, our, our big focus is really delivering care at the patient whenever they need it and when they want it, because you can take your blood pressure at one in the morning if you'd like to on baby scrubs, And if you're symptomatic or if you're symptomatic of a problem or if your data uh, results in an aberrant data point, you'll get care. And and, and that happens in, within five minutes. So th- that's kind of the general thesis of what we're trying to accomplish.
0: So it's an app. And how is the app? I mean, how do, how do women know about the app other than the fact that they're going to listen to this podcast?
1: Yeah. So um, the the way we deliver the program, it's actually you have to go to a provider that is enrolled or subscribes to the Scripts program. So we have currently 60 health systems in 27 different states um, that have partnered with BabyScript. So the tool is delivered by the provider. Um, We actually um, integrate deeply into how the provider delivers their care. So we essentially digitize and offer a digital kind of method of delivering care from the provider's perspective to the patient. Uh, But we also empower women with the devices, the remote monitoring, the digital interaction. Um, And so the component parts, like I mentioned, um, is in your first appointment, uh, when you go in for your confirmation of pregnancy with your OB, if you go to a baby scripts enrolled provider, um, they'll actually put you on our app experience, which is essentially an Instagram-esque scroll uh, experience with education, tips and tricks, everything that your provider wants you to see. the app actually has all of your provider's content and information completely integrated and accessible. And then depending on your risk as a patient, um, the provider will put you on one of six different remote patient monitoring experiences. Um, so it could be, you know, if you are diabetic, gestationally diabetic, or if you have, you know, if, we, if the provider wants to measure or monitor your blood pressure. Um, we do that all through our risk-specific experiences, and all of that is integrated back into the provider, so that if you're at risk for a problem, your provider can call you immediately and intervene.
0: So smart! That's super clever. How'd you figure
1: <laughs> that out? Well, you know, we we worked really hard at it, uh, <laughs> and it was tough in the beginning because um, you know it's just hard to change practice patterns. But now more than ever, especially with COVID, a, a lot of our products are actually, we have an experience that we call schedule optimization, which allows us to deliver more care at home for a mom that might be working. And so if you think about the experience for a working mom, um, you have to take time off of work, you either have to find childcare, you have to pay for parking, you've got to wait in the waiting room for an hour, and then you get seen for five minutes. Um, we actually have different products now that Uh, essentially allow a mom to reduce the number of visits that she has to go to and makes it more convenient for her throughout her pregnancy. Um, Or now with COVID especially, um, the fact that most providers are trying to limit the interactions that they have with patients to contain COVID-19, this whole idea of delivering virtual pregnancy care safely in a patient's home through these devices and through the app engagement is, is, is more important now than ever.
0: I was talking to um, a certified nurse midwife who works uh, through the Kaiser Permanente system about her experiences of providing patient care during COVID, and we were talking about the fact that there are some real silver linings in that you are focusing more on the patient as they are, rather than you know like I've got seven minutes, get them through the door, Um, and it it seems to be providing. better healthcare in a lot of situations, which is pretty, pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. So, it's, it's exciting. I mean, I, I think healthcare is the last industry that will go through the digital transformation, but I mean, almost every other industry has adapted their process to fit the customer's needs.
0: Yeah. So I think I, that yeah. the, uh, the American Medical Association is the definition of old school.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, and you have different, The stakes are different in healthcare, so I'm not trying to just, like, minimize the fact that, like, hey, we have created systems that generally work and generally kind of prevent death. But at the same time, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. And, you know, think about going and checking in on an airline and the the experience and how it's been built around what you want. Do you want to go to the counter? You don't have to. You can check in online. Uh, yeah. You want to pay for a faster screening process? Great, pay for a faster screening process. Um, so you know this, the yeah, healthcare is going to get there. It's just, it's just a little more bureaucratic. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get there.
0: So tell me about the amendment, um, the telehealth reimbursement act, and how it's going to change maternal healthcare.
1: Yeah, so this is part of a kind of a larger advocacy project. That it's not just. Baby scripts is undergoing and really pushing for. But this is happening across the country. And so, one of the big issues that have prevented the spread of a lot of these kinds of innovations, whether it's baby scripts, other digital mobile technologies, um, telemedicine, it's been this big question around reimbursement. So, for, for those that might know a little bit about how healthcare, you know, kind of the, the, the behind the scenes, how everything works. Under the covers. Essentially, doctors, when they decide the things that they do, a lot of their decisions kind of revolve around what activities, what diagnostics, what things are actually paid for, because they obviously want to get paid for their time by health insurance companies. Um, And so, a big challenge in transcending and really elevating the standard of care with technology. Is that for the longest time, most of these digital technologies and experiences, and even there's a new category that we're in. We call them digital therapeutics, which are digital experiences that can be just as effective, if not more effective, than actual pharmaceutical like drugs. Um, So, so you know, there's a whole category of these things that have proven, for example, to reduce A one C levels in diabetics. Um, detect things like preeclampsia, which is what we do in baby scrubs, things that produce incredible results. There just hasn't been a lot of health insurance reimbursement. Um, And a lot of it is kind of a a late adopter mentality in in the healthcare space. But um, a lot of these things also have to do with who's pushing uh, for the payers to actually pay for uh, health insurance companies are typically called payers, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. If you're in healthcare, um, but you know the the what what kind of at the end of the day matters is who's setting the priorities and who's and who's kind of mandating that certain things get covered and and I'll use telemedicine as a great example. A lot of telemedicine has become a covered service, so so healthcare providers, doctors actually get paid to see you over Zoom or Skype because a lot of states have said hey, health insurance companies, you have to pay for this kind of care. You can't withhold the the utilization of these telemedicine experiences, right? So like I mentioned, synchronous experiences, you can't not pay for those. Um, And so that's ushered in a huge level of innovation, and it's basically helped us overcome COVID-19 in a lot of ways. So it was very forward-thinking. But the use of remote patient monitoring, the use of mobile apps, digital non necessarily video visits, still hasn't been covered by health insurance and hasn't been mandated by different states to be covered. Um, and so what we've done at Baby Scripts, and this is in one market, which is in D.C., is we've lobbied the local government, so the D.C. government, to essentially mandate that local health insurance companies pay for different digital tools from moms that are in their postpartum time period. Um, and so that's, that's a great start to getting these tools finally covered so that we can obviously scale and make all of these tools available to women all around the country.
0: I was going to ask you about that, about stretching telehealth care into the postpartum period, because that is, that, is the, that is the highly neglected period of time when so many women suffer. Um, and even, you know, that's when we see a, a good chunk of maternal deaths is in the postpartum period. So it's good to know that you know, in all the different ways that we're doing it, people are looking at that as this time is important Let's
1: oh see. yeah and and it's crucial i I would say, I mean, we lobbied really hard, and we could only get postpartum coverage <laughs> yeah. so we weren't even we weren't even we weren't, able, we weren't even able to get prenatal or antenatal um <laughs> which is during the pregnancy coverage, so we still have a lot more work to do, but when you look at the dynamics, I'll just kind of give you some numbers. Uh, I mean, almost 50% of maternal deaths happen postpartum. Yeah, That's that's something that no one talks about. Everyone assumes that, you know, you have a hemorrhage while you're giving birth or you get preeclampsia, which I, I mean, are important things that need to be solved. But at the same time, there's a whole time period that we've just glanced over, papered over, because all of a sudden, a mom goes from seeing the doctor almost every week to not seeing the doctor for a, a year. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, this, uh, I'm glad that, you know, we, we had a lot of incredible advocates at the D.C. Council. Um, for example, uh, the, the, the chair of the the healthcare committee, um, which is uh, uh, Chairman Gray, um, he, he did an incredible job of kind of pushing this through. Um, but, you know, there still was some resistance on the financial side for thinking about the pregnancy itself. Um, but but yeah, I mean, people, this whole, they're calling it the fourth trimester because people <laughs> need to think a lot more about the postpartum time period.
0: Hell yeah, they sure do. What else do you want listeners to know about baby scripts and about the work you do?
1: Um, <laughs> uh, th- This is, uh, I- I'm I think it's just important to, you know, I'd like to say that I speak on behalf of all healthcare transformers and entrepreneurs and that we're working really, really hard to try to give patients a better experience and also a better likelihood of a successful outcome. So whether it's in maternity and solving for things like preeclampsia, which accounts for somewhere between 15 to 20% of maternal deaths every year. Um, So, so we're working hard, but I I think what's important too, is that the healthcare industry will not change unless patients, and and we have to all find ways to empower patients, but patients also need to demand that their doctors get with the times and, and that their doctors elevate their care. Um, because you know there are a litany of tools and services. It's not—it's not just baby scripts. I mean, baby script solves a, a specific set of problems for a very specific group of patients. But you know, when you think about the health of your elderly parents, or you think of um, the idea of routine screenings for colon cancer and you know prevention, um, the fact that. We all have smartphones. We all are looking at our smartphones a million times a day. There's a conduit there that's being leveraged to improve healthcare. but it's two sides of a coin um, where we try to use all the logical kind of uh, arguments in trying to sell our solutions. Mm-hmm. But and, until patients really rise up and, and, and until a patient goes in to an OB's office on their first visit and go... What are you kidding me? You're not using something like baby scripts, or you're not using something like you're not offering telemedicine visits through Teladoc. Like, are you kidding me? I'm going to go to a different practice. Um, yeah. I, I think it's going to take, it's, it's going to lengthen the time that we see healthcare transformation. So, I, I would really encourage listeners to, to, to kind of demand change because your doctors listen to you. I, I know it's sometimes hard in a seven minute appointment. But they're a business just like anyone else.
0: Yeah. And the customer is the patient.
1: Yes, exactly. So you have so much power. And I'll give you an example. In our space, this is going to sound so trivial. But there's a reason why when you go into your doctor's office, they have free Wi-Fi. It's not because they wanted to give you free Wi-Fi. It's because enough patients said, are you kidding me? I'm waiting in here for 50 minutes and I can't access my email or browse the internet, I want free Wi Fi. And then finally, then like, it's like the people, you know, an insurrection, a rebellion to get Wi Fi. And, and so it's funny how that's like such a little use case. But I think it applies to almost any other digital intervention. And for anyone wanting to have remote patient monitoring, like, don't you want that sense of comfort that, hey, if, if there is something off, my doctor going to call me. And I think every woman deserves that. That's, that's, that's a right that you have, but you got to ask for it. So, um, you know, again, it's kind of a, a, a we're going to keep pushing and I'm never going to stop until um, all maternal mortality ends in this country. That is my dream. That is my vision. Um, no mom should die while pregnant, especially in this country. So I'm never going to stop. But like, if we can kind of rise people up, like th- this will, this will happen a lot sooner.
0: Yeah. What about men's roles in changing maternal health outcomes? I don't, I don't get a lot of guys on the podcast. Some, oh really? But, oh no, no. I, I hope I, I many. hope
1: I, I did all guys well in my, in my dialogue here, and, <laughs> and I haven't. You represent. Uh, yeah, I, I hope because if I'm the last guy on, on a po- on your podcast, then I, it's, I, I think uh, I will, I would, I probably did a bad job. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> no, I think.
1: Fine. Oh, no, I appreciate that. I, I think. I, I mean. I think, it, it, from my perspective, sometimes people ask me very directly, and it's almost an awkward kind of conversation. I get some people that say, "What's a man doing starting a pregnancy company? Uh, why, why, why aren't women starting a company and, and or or kind of dealing with this issue?" And and of course, like, I'm 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 an advocate for just better women's health in general. Uh, and and this, this is the, the hill that I, I chose to die on, which is to start a company in this space to, to do everything I can for, for the women in my life. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I have uh, a beautiful mother. Uh, I have a sister that actually just had a baby today, literally. Oh, um so, so baby Luke. Uh, oh. and, uh, and so, you know, we're, and, and, and from my perspective, you know, this is. I mean, we're we're all going to. We all have women in our lives, or we're all going to rely on women to 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 build the future. And so, this is not just a, you know, hey, uh, you know, a, a passive passenger approach here, where I'm just going to watch from the sidelines. Like, if I want a better future for for my world, for my community, for my environment, it it requires healthy and strong women, I, I mean, and, and, and for to, to have more than 700 of our moms every year die because of complications that most of them can be prevented is unacceptable to me. And, and so, I, I mean, I think we all, all men have a role in being more engaged um, in in whoever is pregnant in your life, um, you know, know the signs, know the, the challenges, I, I think, the, especially, kind of, we haven't even talked about some of the racial disparities in the space. But you know, we we have to be very vocal about when women aren't getting the care that they deserve, when their questions aren't being answered. It happens, and um, and so you know, it, it's this is not to you know, this might sound paternalistic. This down my point. My point is, um, you know, I, I want to I, I want to help, and um, you know, I think we it's a partnership, and we, we all need to help each other.
0: Yeah, good answer. Okay. So before we get to my rapid fire roundup, <clears throat> excuse me, rapid fire roundup questions, um, why don't we tell people where they can find out more information about you and the work you do? Oh,
1: of course. Yeah. So just go to babyscripts.com, pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> uh, or follow us on on Twitter at babyscripts. We have a pretty, uh, we have a blog. So if, if you're interested just in like women's health in general, And want to follow our blog, we have a a weekly Friday push that kind of shares all the latest, greatest that's not just happening with baby scripts, but the things that are happening in our industry. So we'd love Mm -hmm. to have obviously people tag along and 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 participate. And and you can just go to our website. And if you just wanna have uh, answer if you have a question that you want answered, you know, we'll we'll we're pretty responsive as well. So just kind of fill out a form and and we'll follow up.
0: Okay, babyscripts.com. All right. Three questions, fast as can be. All right. What role does feminism play in your life?
1: Is are these one word answers or anything you like? <laughs> uh, no. I, so feminism is it's 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 the reason why I'm here. It's it, feminism is is just strong women and 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 I want to support. And be around and 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 just give everything I can to the 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 strong women in my life. So that that's that's the role it plays. And it's inspired me to build a company.
0: Excellent. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that that it's gonna
1: sound super cliche, but that if you have If you believe in something in healthcare, you can change healthcare. I have, I had absolutely no experience in healthcare starting baby scripts. Uh, I I didn't know anyone, I didn't know any of the terminology, but I knew that there was a better way to help women in pregnancy. And we've made a heck of a, a, a difference already. So you can do it.
0: All right. My last question again, answer this any way you like. Where do you stand? in the world of
1: parenthood? Uh, so right now as a, uh, as a supporter, as a godparent, but I hope- And as an you, uncle. As an uncle, uh, you know, I, I think that was a plug for my sister to make me the godfather of her child. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But, uh, but also as a, as a hopeful parent myself, I, uh, um, there's some big things happening in my life very soon. I can't give them away right now. Um, but, uh, but no, these are, uh, uh, this is, this is our legacy. So that's the answer is legacy. And, and, and we all have to be, we have to support it.
0: Nice. Nicely done. Well, Juan Pablo, it was a real pleasure to talk to you. I'm really interested in the work that you're doing and thank you for joining this conversation. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: That's it for this week, everybody. Thanks for listening and for joining the conversation. You can learn more about me over at jeanfaulkner.com, where you can email me, jean at Faulkner, tweet me at Faulkner, and you can find us at Pregnancy Parenting and Politics on Instagram and Facebook. Pregnancy Parenting and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. We'll talk again next week. Bye-bye.